this morning we're going to continue on in our series, our 2019 series that we're calling The Reset. Um, this series, we are just rooting ourselves in the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. Uh, I want to continue us on in that journey this morning and not take a lot of time getting there. So if you're able, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I want to pray for us, and then we're going to get into God's Word together. As always, when I pray, I'm going to just invite God to speak this morning. And I want to just invite you and encourage you to ask God to speak to you. Okay? Like, if there's one thing that I'm sure of, is that God wants us to know him. Like, like really know him. And, and so God, God's intention is not that you know him because you know me, but that you know him yourself. And that maybe God wants to speak through his word this morning. Something I'm going to say, but God wants to speak to you and he wants you to know him for you. Okay? And so I want to pray and, and we're just going to invite the Lord to minister here. Amen? All right, Father, thanks for this morning. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your goodness and your grace. Just like Nate was sharing earlier, God, thank you that, that you are just faithful to us always. And, and God, you're not good because we feel that way all the time. God, you're good because you are. God, songs we sang this morning, Lord, we're just caught up in the rhythms of your grace. God, I pray that this morning we would, God, that we just be caught up in you this morning, God, that we be caught up in your word to us, Lord, that we be captivated uh, by you and your presence, Lord. Would you just speak this morning? Would you minister in every single heart here in this room today? God, may our ears be open to hear from you, Lord, the words that you want to speak. Would you just ask the Lord just to speak to you this morning and just invite him, just, just tell him, God, I want to hear from you today. Uh, God, would you speak to my heart? Help me to listen for your voice today. God, I want to grab hold of what you have to speak to me, over me, in me, through me, God. God, thank you for your word this morning. God, thank you that it's living and active. God, thank you that, that, it, that it always accomplishes its purposes, God. I, I pray this morning, Lord, that, that as we just open your word, God, that you would speak, that we would listen, that we would be transformed and changed by you. God, that we would know that you're good. God, thanks that we're here. Thank you that you planned for us to be here. Thank you it's not an accident we're here. God, let us grab hold of this morning everything that have your way in us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can have a seat. So we're talking this morning, and we've been talking together about our gospel a mission as the sons and daughters of God, given to us by Jesus himself in the great commission that we find in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And in that, Jesus is resurrected and he's about to ascend to heaven. And he says to his disciples, he says to all of us, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And Jesus says, and surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. 
Okay, this is the great commission. This is our gospel mission given to us by Jesus. This is, this is what we're doing, okay, as the people of God. And I want to re-preach this message, but I want to give you some highlights because th- this is just really important for us to digest. Jesus is making some really big, important declarations to us. And, and the first one that, that he says to us is, listen, I, Jesus, have all the authority as Lord and King. Okay, all the authority, not just up there in heaven, not just up there in the throne room of heaven, but here on the earth. I'm king up there, and I'm king down here, which means that, that every person, every heart, every thought, word, action, reaction, all of it, everything in heaven and everything on earth is to bow in surrender, in obedience, in submission to him who is king of all. It's this idea that God, Jesus, you are God and I am not. You are king and I am not. It's all about you, not all about me. It's about your thought on a matter, not the, my opinion on the matter. It's about your way and not my way. It's about your purpose and not my purpose. Okay, this is all, all about Jesus. Jesus is the king and he has all authority. Secondly, Jesus says, listen, this good news, this mission, it's for everybody. Okay, it's for all nations. You know who's included in all nations? Everybody, okay? So, so the good news, the gospel, the, the, the good news of the love and grace and truth of Jesus, it's for everybody. It's not for us to determine who's worthy of that, who's worthy of his grace, who's worthy of his love. He's like, no, no, this gospel is for everyone and our call is to take that gospel to everyone everywhere. And thirdly, Jesus gives us this promise. He says that, that listen, I'm gonna be with you always as you embark on this mission. And so, so this, this declaration from Jesus is meant to stir up in us this, this confidence, this courage, this boldness to go and be about his mission because he says, listen, I'm going to be with you every second and every step of the way as you do that. That's good news, yeah? That, 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 that should be an encouragement to us, okay? So, so this is the Great Commission. Then last time we were together, uh, Pastor Neil, he gave a great word uh, on the gospel of salvation, okay? This good news for all people that, that Jesus Christ saves. And he, and he talked about how there's, the reason there's good news is because there's bad news, right? And, and the bad news is that sin separates us from God and, and it, it destines us. Our destiny because of sin is hell. But because of Jesus and through him, his life, his death, and his resurrection, we can receive grace and his everlasting, eternal life. Romans 6.23 says it so well. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Ephesians, Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, he says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And that this is not from yourselves. This is a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Salvation, he just reminds us, salvation, this gift, this gospel, this good news, you can't earn it, you can't be worthy of it, you can't deserve it, you can't do anything in and of yourself to make yourself able to receive this good news. It is only through Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and putting your trust in him and what he has done for you that you get to be set free from sin, made right with God, and receive his salvation and eternity. 
That, that, that's the movement. Okay, and Pastor Neil got, in, got after that. Jesus paid for it all. You receive it all. That's how this works. And this good news is for everyone. This is our gospel proclamation. It's the gospel proclamation of our mission as followers of Jesus. Okay, that there, is, there is a message to this good news. And we are, have been entrusted with proclaiming this message. But there is more to this gospel mission than the message. Because though our gospel mission begins with a gospel proclamation for individual souls, it, it, it doesn't end there. There is also a gospel work to be done in the entirety of creation. Uh, the late pastor and theologian Martin Lloyd-Jones, he said it like this. Uh, I, I love this. He says, here it is important for us to emphasize once more that we must present the total gospel. There is a personal side to it and we must deal with that and we must start with that, but we do not stop with that. There is a social side, indeed a cosmic side as well. We must show that the ultimate object, as Paul puts it in Ephesians 1 verse 10, is to head up in Christ all things, both in heaven, the whole universe is involved. In other words, the gospel is not just a work to be done in mankind, but in all of creation. This is the kingdom of God, not just in mankind himself ruling and reigning and impacting man, but ruling and reigning and impacting every sphere of society, every part of every planet, because every part of creation was also affected by our sin and rebellion against God. Romans 8, verse 19 through 23, it speaks to this when it says this. It says, listen, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we eagerly await adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Here God shows us that, that his ultimate plan of redemption is not only the hearts of mankind, but the entire creation that has fallen. Do you see that? It, it says in verse 20 that, that the creation itself is groaning. Okay, it says that, or, or in 20, it says that, that it was subjected to futility, meaning that, that, that the creation was knocked out of the place of where it was made to be to where it is now. The creation itself is not what God intended when he created it. It is a byproduct of the fall. This is where it is now. In verse 22 then, it says that, that it's actually groaning. Okay, and it uses this expression of, of that the creation is groaning like, the, like in the pains of childbirth. Now, to be honest, I only know about that pain secondhand, okay? Um, I, I don't know that pain firsthand. I've watched it, and I've, and I've seen it enough with my amazing wife going through it that I know that I, I don't care to know it firsthand, honestly. Um, but because... I, what I saw was this intense and deep, like, like pain and, and sounds that came out of her that, that, that weren't human. You know what I'm saying? And like, like she, she developed a kung fu grip and, and, and just, she ripped my shirt off of me. I mean, like, this is, it was intense, you know? Oh, oh, you did too. You did. You ripped it.
That's what, that's what it does to you. You know what I'm saying? I, I was like looking for help. I was like, hey, can somebody help me? <laughs> My wife's like giving birth. I'm like, help me, help me somebody, right? But, but, but this is the picture, okay, that, that like scripture is given to us about creation itself. It's like, look, creation, the creation, all of creation, okay, it, this is how it's dealing with our sin. Okay, all of creation, it's in pain and it is longing for this time where, where it will be made right again. It is longing for this redemption in Christ. When sin happened in Genesis chapter 3, everything was fractured and broken everything. So, so, so where we live now, right? Like, like all the goodness, all the beauty, right? All the, all the peace at every level of creation and society. But, but before this, there was no bondage or slavery to sin or, or, or to death. And, and that's not where we are today, right? Because but sin doesn't only affect us, it affects everything. It affects all of creation, so that, that now in the creation we have chaos and we have violence, okay? There, we have bullets, right? We have natural disasters and diseases and, and death, okay? The, the, the effects of our sin are so much bigger than us. They're so much bigger than, than just our lives, okay? Because the, our sin didn't just plague and darken our hearts. It, it plagued and darkened everything that was made. The, one of the things that, that sin destroyed was our relationships. Uh, the, the very next thing we see happen after the fall in Genesis 3 is Genesis chapter 4 where, where the first murder takes place. And, and it's just not just any murder. It's the murder of one brother against another brother. Okay, Adam and Eve's sons, Cain, murders his brother Abel out of jealousy. And, and God comes and God shows up. Right? And, and God asks Cain, where's your brother Abel? And, and he responds by saying, well, who am I my brother's keeper? Right? Cain, in this whole exchange, shows us that, that sin doesn't just separate us from God. It separates us two from one another. It, it makes us self-oriented. It destroys relationships. And part of the redemptive work of the gospel is the restoration of relationship. This is why in the Ten Commandments uh, that, that we see that there, there's four commandments that, that have to do with our relationship with God and six commandments there that have to do with our, our relationship one to another, okay? Because the, the, the law is a foreshadow for us of what the gospel is going to bring to light, a restoration for sinners, not only to God, but also to one another. This restoration, not just this way, but this way. This is also why the great commandment is the great commandment, okay, that, that we've been in. What is the great commandment? Do you guys remember? We only read a thousand times, okay? So what is it? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength, right? And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. What, what's the great commandment? This way and this way, right? Like the, the gospel being played out. It's like, look, when the gospel takes effect, it, it starts to restore here and it restores here. The gospel is even bigger still, though, because in the New Testament, even as we watch Jesus and we, we see him perform miracles, he is demonstrating the kingdom of God in the right order of things. Some people will talk about it, man. Jesus came on the scene and he just started turning things upside down. No, Jesus came and started turning things right side up. 
when Jesus says that he saw Satan fall like lightning from the sky and he casts out demons, he's saying that the, that the gospel is about the overthrow of evil itself, not just sinful behavior. When Jesus heals the sick and the broken, he's saying the gospel is about the eradication of, of brokenness in our physical being. When Jesus feeds the 5,000, he's saying, listen, the gospel is about God's abundant provision through Christ to a world of hunger. When Jesus walks on water or calms a storm, he's saying, listen, the gospel is about his lordship over the chaos of fallen creation. When Jesus confounds religious leaders, when he overturns tables, when he warns the rich, when he enters the city on a donkey, when he predicts the temple's destruction and stands silent before political leaders, Jesus is saying the gospel is going to have profound effects on everything, on social, political systems, on everything. The gospel is big and it's in, it impacts and touches everything. Miracles of healing, deliverance, provision, resurrection, all, all of it is revealing the redemptive work of the gospel to restore what has been broken by our sin. This is why when Jesus is teaching his disciples and us how to pray, right, in Matthew chapter 6, okay, he says, listen, pray to your Father and say this, your kingdom come and your will be done on the earth just as it is in heaven. You guys remember that? Okay, so, so this is Jesus and he's saying, listen, the, the kingdom of God that is expressed up there where everything is worshiping and obeying and submitting to the king, that up there is meant to be down here. That up there is meant to be what happens here, okay? And, and so the gospel of the kingdom is both personal and global. There is a personal and global transformation that the gospel brings about. It affects everything. The Apostle Paul speaks to this in Colossians chapter 1. Verses 21 through 22, he says, Once you were alienated from God and enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through, the, through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. This is all about the gospel individually. You are personally reconciled to God. You are made right with God through Jesus Christ's death on the cross for sin and his resurrection and victory over sin and death so that you are no no longer an enemy of God, but you are restored again to relationship with God. But then Colossians 1 also gives us this bigger picture, kind of like this, of this gospel restorative, redemptive work, like zooming in on your house on, uh, on Google Earth or whatever, and then zooming back out to look at the whole world. In, in verses 15 through 17, it says, the Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. This is a bigger view than just you sitting on Jesus' lap, right? Like, like, like this is more than individual. This is cosmic. This is Jesus, the creator and sustainer of all things. Everything being by Jesus and through Jesus and for Jesus, from mankind to animals, right, to some microbes in a cave that no one will ever, uh, ever find, to some planet that no one will ever discover, right? All of it. Jesus is Lord of it all. He's king over all, and it's all for him, and he is at work redeeming everything. So Jesus is not less than our personal Lord, 
and Savior and King. But Jesus is more than that too. Paul goes on in verses 18 to 20, says this, and he, talking about Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him, listen to this, to reconcile to himself all things. How many things? All things to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So in and through Jesus, God is reconciling all things, not just some things, not just mankind, but everything broken by sin is being restored through Jesus. And and in Jesus, God makes us part of that redemptive work. So, so, so the idea here is while each of us has been saved as an individual life, we have not been saved to an individual life, okay? So, so if you think about the gospel in sort of concentric circles, right? In the first one, you have us being reconciled to God in Christ. Then you have uh, the, the one another, reconciled to one another in community. And then thirdly, we are reconciled, we're brought into what God is rule of all things. We are reconciled to reconcile. Paul would say it like this in 2 Corinthians 5. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled to us, to himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. We are, therefore, Christ's ambassadors, God making his appeal through us, and we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So, so, so here it is, our reconciled to, rec- reconciliation to God. That's not the end of our story, right? Or the gospel and its implications from us, but rather we are commissioned by God and entrusted from Jesus with his ministry of reconciliation. The great commission joins us to God's mission of reconciling and restoring all things. So, so for us then, we, like Jesus, we are, we're, we're, we're meant to like get into the mud and mess and, and brokenness of our world with not only our proclamation, our words, but with our works because the gospel is meant to bear fruit in every place. The, the Apostle James is, is clear that to truly understand the gospel is to be transformed in how you live, specifically in these places of justice and mercy, care for the sick, for the hungry, for the poor, the marginalized, right? Like if the gospel is truly, if it's true, right, it has this profound manifestation for all things, okay? It touches on everything, and we should expect then that, that our gospel mission also has implication for cultures and systems, everything, right? structures, everything. So we serve the poor. We love the unloved. We feed the hungry. We care for the widow and orphan. We stand against injustice. We step into the brokenness of our world and we push back against the darkness, bringing God's order to the devil's chaos, right? Until God's final redemption happens when Jesus returns again and makes all things right. James, this familiar passage in James, right, that so many of us know, James 2, 14, James, Jesus' brother, he says, listen, what what good is it? Brothers and sisters, if somebody claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such faith save them? So suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food, and if one of you says, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, right, but does nothing for their physical need, what good is that? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied 
by works is dead. Now, now we have to be clear here because James is not saying to us that your good works will save you. Okay, like, like James is, is saying that if you are really saved, if your heart has truly received the gospel, if you are a life surrendered to Christ, that then, then you are going to bear gospel fruit. Like if there's a gospel root in you, right, there will be gospel fruit from you. That, that, that's what he's saying. Like, like there will be an evidence to it. And, and if there's no evidence, then there should be concern. If, if there's no evidence of this gospel, there should be some concern that, that maybe that hasn't actually happened in me. Our works don't save us, but they're an evidence that we are, and they point to the one who does. Okay? And, and so on the one hand, we have to be really careful that we don't make our gospel miss, mission simply about a message about words with no works. Okay? And on the other hand, we have to be really careful that we don't remove the gospel message from the work. Because even though a, a cup of water in Jesus' name is powerful according to his word, ultimately it does nothing to get at what's really wrong with mankind. Are you hearing me? Our essential problem, right, is not a physical one. It is a spiritual one. I mean, if we just think about where we live, we live in the land of abundance, especially even right where we are right now. We have access to everything, don't we? Have you ever got up in the morning and said, man, I'm not sure where the clean water is? Have you ever got up and thought, man, I don't know where I'm going to eat today? None of those kinds of things, right? Like we have access, abundance, so much and then some and still, still, right? There is hopelessness and despair and darkness all around us. Because our issue, our main problem, it's not physical, it's spiritual. Jesus even said it like this. He said, like, what would it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lost his soul? Right? What, what, what would it mean if somebody had everything, everything, the whole world? If the physically it was all good, but spiritually it wasn't, it would profit him nothing. You can have all the stuff and still go to hell. That's what Jesus is saying. So, so through that expression, like probably many of us in this room have heard that like expression, hey, preach the gospel and when necessary, use words, right? I mean, that sounds good. It just doesn't really work. Okay, because at some point in time, like the message, the good news of the gospel has to happen. If the good news, if the message doesn't come, then our works are just like a game of charades, right? We're just doing stuff, hoping in the end people figure out what we're doing and what's it all, what it's all for and what it's all about, right? So do the works. Yes, that's what God's saying. Like, like the gospel has implication in our work. Do the work and share the good news. It's not an either or. It is a both and Okay, in God, it is word and works. In fact, something to keep in mind is that everywhere the gospel of Jesus takes root in the hearts of people, the gospel through God's people begins to solve tens of other issues. There's actually this uh, study from a man named uh, Robert Woodbury. Uh, he did this decade-long study uh, on, the, uh, on the fruit of the gospel around the world, especially in, in developing nations. And here's what he said. He said, areas where the Christian church has had a significant presence are on average more economically developed today with comparatively better health, lower infant mortality, lower corruption, greater literacy, higher educational attainment, especially for women, and more robust membership in non-governmental associations. He points out that that where the people of God are truly engaged in gospel mission, right? That not only are people changed, right? But everything else in the culture seems to change as well. 
That, that, that everything else starts to, get, to, starts to improve. Education, healthcare, food, clean water, advancement for, for women. So many issues that all kinds of, of people are passionate about seeing happen today aren't being changed by simply focusing on that issue, on that symptom, but actually addressing the heart of the problem with the good news of the gospel that changes people and cultures. I, I don't know about you, but it's always strange and it's hard for me to hear about kids dying in other countries from simple things like diarrhea, right? Like when I could go to the gas station up the street and buy a bunch of medicine and they'd be fine. I, I don't know if that's, that, that ever hits you, but, 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 but do you know why so often that medicine doesn't get to, to those kids or get to those people, right? It, it, it's because of greed and corruption and the lust for power and control. It's political ambition. It's all, all these things. It, there's actually this heart of man that will allow for someone else to die for personal gain. So, so, so across the spectrum, right, like, like the gospel changes things. And, and, and if, you have, if you're somebody and you just have a real passion for justice, it's like in the end, your, your best bet is to push all your chips in on the person and work of Jesus Christ and the good news of, of the gospel for the human heart, right? Because everything changes in that. And yet at the same time, right, we must also in our proclamation of the gospel not make it so narrow that it does not include the felt needs of other people. I want to just substantiate this both by, by us understanding what God says to us in his word and also throughout church history how we see this. So I just want to start with Jesus because he gets at the heart of this in Matthew 25. And, and here he's talking about his second coming. He's talking about judgment. Okay, and here's what he says in Matthew 25, 34 through 40. He says, the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And the righteous will say to him, Lord, when did we see you hungry or feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when do we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer, truly, I say to you, as you did to one of the least of these of my brothers, you have also done to me. Now, now, now that's from Jesus. Okay? Jesus is like, I, I mean, I don't know if you catch this, but like, does it does, the, does gospel fruit, does gospel work, does, does this meeting the needs and, and, and you know, loving people, caring for people, and felt, does that sound like Jesus? Does that look like Jesus? Is that part of the gospel? Is that even what Jesus is looking at? Yeah, that too. Jesus' brother James again says in James 1.27, he says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Now, now, now oftentimes this passage gets preached with this emphasis on, look, keep yourself unstained from the world. Okay, like don't get into, don't be, don't get into all that sinful stuff. Be undefiled, okay? But, but the thrust of this text is really twofold. And what is it? Listen, remember orphans. Listen, remember widows, remember the marginalized, remember the oppressed, get involved with the poor. Now again, these are not the things that save us. This is gospel fruit. As our hearts are being conformed into the image of Jesus, we start to see with the Father's eyes and we, we feel with the Father's heart. There is empathy, there is compassion, and so we want to help, right? We want to step in with the grace that's been given to us and serve and be a blessing as representatives of the kingdom of God. This is true biblical. 
biblically. This is true historically. So, some of you know about uh, early church fathers, Pliny the Younger, right? Basil of Caesarea, both couldn't stop talking about, about how the Christian, uh, about Christian action in the political realm. And they talked about it not, not in a way to, that, that made them like party affiliated and all these things, but in, a, in, a, in such a way that, that it made people able to see that they belong to a different kind of kingdom. That, that, that caused people to say they have a king and it's not Caesar. They, they, they have a kingdom they belong to and it's not Rome. That, that they, they, have, they are of an other kingdom. There was a group or sect known as the Clepham sect or, or saints. And, and this was a group of men and, and women in the Church of England. They were very affluent. Uh, they were intellectuals of their day. And for 40 to 50 years, they gave themselves over to, to seeing the, abol the abolishment of slavery. Uh, to uh, the, uh, increase the standard of education amongst the poor, to correcting uh, something that they called manners, which is really the way society acted and behaved. And, and, and sometimes we hear that stuff and we're just like, ah, hippie SJWs, right? Like, like whatever. These are like, these are champions of the faith and the gospel. In, in our own nation's history, right? Here, here in the United States, it has been evangelical Christians who have built the earliest hospitals, established the earliest institutions of higher learning, provided food, health care, right, education to the masses. It has been Christians championing these efforts. If, if you just look at some of the hospitals, right, and some of the names of hospitals, like we, where do you go? We go to Provena Mercy. We go to Good Samaritan. We have Advocate Health Care, right? It's because Christians conformed to the image of their king and operating as citizens of his kingdom saw the brokenness and the need where they were and said, man, we're going to come in with the good news of the gospel and with help. It, you know that it's only really a modern notion that, that these two things have to be teased out. That, that, that the gospel of the kingdom is always meant to include our words and our works. Now, 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 you might go, well, how does this like play out every day? What, what does this just look like in my everyday life? Well, 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 simply, like probably the most simplest way is that where you just go, well, God, I just want you to use me wherever you've placed me. I want you to use me in, in the various spheres of influence that you have given to me amongst the people you have placed me with. So, so in my job, in my neighborhood, in my school, in my family, whatever sphere that it is, that, that, that it's a recognition that, God, you put me here on purpose. Okay, so, so, so if it's your job, for instance, right, like, like you're an agent of reconciliation there. And, and so you don't show up to your job looking for your job to like, like man, how can uh, my job, how can I find my life's purpose in this work? No, no, I show up to my job and I say, God, how can I bring about your purpose here? Wherever you are, you are a representative of the kingdom of God and are to live as a citizen of that kingdom in a way that is greater than your allegiance to any other kingdom. So, so I mean, for instance, right, we could say like even, even, even this country, even our country, the United States, I, I don't know about you, I, I, I love living in the United States. I feel very blessed and thankful to live in this country, okay? I, I think it has some of, the, some of the best systems and ideas that man has come up with. Not perfect because it's made and led with by sinful people constantly in need of reform, but, but, but I'm grateful to live in this country. And at the same time, right, like for as grateful as I am for this country, it's not my kingdom. 
I don't belong to it. I belong to the kingdom of God and my loyalty is to Jesus, my king. That, that, that means then, if that's true, that there's sometimes going to be some things I can't just go along with. Okay? I, I can't just go along with it because, because that's not representative of my king and the kingdom that I'm a part of. It doesn't represent him. Now, I know that's hard for some people, right? Like some of you, like, like because we have this weird indoctrination of like the U.S. And, and Christianity and all this kind of stuff, right? Where we've been told like God's kingdom and the United States are synonymous. They're just like the same thing, right? And, and they're not, okay? I, I hate to say that. They're not the same thing, okay? But, but we'll have this where it's just like the United States, there's no fault in her. God shed his grace on thee, right? Like, and, and I would say, yes, God has absolutely shed his grace on the United States in so many ways. But if you grew up thinking or you still do, right, that's somehow all other nations do shady stuff and not us, right? Like we, not us, I mean, we're just, we are a city on a hill, right? Like, like a bat, like for, for everything, right? Like, come on. Like we are not that naive to believe that's true. Now, now hear me as I say this, okay? Because I want to save myself some emails this week. Um, <laughs> like, I, I, I love this country and I'm grateful to be a, a part of it, okay? But it is not ultimately where my allegiance lies. It is not my kingdom and nor my king, okay? And as Christians, it's not for us. Are you with me? Okay, so, so we're citizens of the kingdom of, our, of God and our allegiance is to Jesus, which, which again, that means sometimes, right, like our lives are gonna be offensive to some people. Right? It's going to be offensive to the world in some way because we just can't get on board with whatever the world wants to do and however they want to do it. This doesn't mean we're mean. This doesn't mean we be nasty. This doesn't mean we throw a bunch of judgment all over everybody. We don't rejoice in that. We lament that, right? Because that's the heart of God, isn't it? Right? Like, like to lament the brokenness that we see even in our own country, the wickedness that we see around us, not to rejoice that we won't bow to it, right? But, but, but feel brokenhearted for this stuff that breaks the heart of God. We are in all things, in every sphere, to live and speak and act and respond as citizens of the kingdom of God, surrendered to our King Jesus, engaged in our gospel mission and bearing gospel fruit, okay? Our mission, it's a show and tell mission, okay? Show, not, not a show or tell mission. Did anybody do show and tell like in school growing up? You guys do that? I, I feel like kids still do that. My kids have anyways. But you remember that? Like, like it was your day and you had to like bring something in. And so like if you were really cool, you had like a lizard or something, right? Because like a cool pet or something. And if you weren't, you like, I don't know, you just brought whatever your favorite toy is. Whatever it was, uh, like you'd bring it in. And the point of the show and tell, right, was, wasn't just so that kids are like, oh, cool, you got a lizard. Right? Like, like that, that's sort of lame. No, no. What, the point of the show and tell was that by showing and telling that everybody else was to get a bigger, better, clearer picture of who you are and what you're about. The, 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 this, is, this is the essence of the gospel. The gospel mission is this show and tell mission. Only that, that the goal, the point, is not that in our showing and telling, people get a better picture, a clearer picture of who we are and what we're about, but they get a clearer and bigger picture of who God is and what God is all about. 
God is reconciling all things to himself through Jesus and we are his ambassadors. Been given this ministry of reconciliation for everything. I'm gonna have Nate come back up. I'm just gonna close this, leave you with a, a couple of thoughts. And so here's what I wanna do. I want you just to consider, I, I want you to consider the spheres or the spaces which God has uniquely placed you in. And if you're, if you're, if you're taking notes, you're writing, maybe even just start to jot that down. What, what is that? What family? What's the family he's placed me in? Work, right? Job, career, school. He's put me in that sphere. Maybe I belong to some organization, some club, right? Some sport, some hobby, some activity. Like, like there's a sphere. What about the neighborhood that I live in? What about, what about the city that I live in? What, what, what are these spheres where God has uniquely placed me? Okay? Because one of the things we've got to grab hold of is that we don't live where we live, are a part of the family we're a part of, involved in the things we are. It's not accidental. Okay? Like God has put us places on purpose for the sake of that gospel work and mission. And so consider then, as you think about those things, uh, when, I, when you think about your family, when you think about your job, when you think about your school, when you think about your neighborhood, w w what are the needs there? W what are the strongholds that are there? W what, are, what are ways that, that you can, where are there holes or gaps? W where's their brokenness there? And then as you start to just collect some of that stuff, bring that before the Lord and say, God, how, how are you inviting me into being part of your reconciling work here? God, God, how is it that you want me to pray here? You know that prayer is kingdom work? Okay, prayer is kingdom work because prayer, prayer looks up to the king and says, God, you're the king and I can't do this, but you can prayer's kingdom work. God, how do you want me to pray for this? How do you want me to pray for them? How, how, how do you want me to pray about this situation? God, how do you want me to respond? God, 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 what would you have me do? How would you, God, like me to minister here in my family, with, 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 my, with my neighbors, in my city? God, what are you inviting me into to be a part of your reconciling, redemptive, restorative work of all things? And allow God to minister that, to speak that to you. And then guess what? Take a step of obedience. Nate was saying that earlier this morning. Yeah, I don't know. So many of the things of God, I find, that, that it's not always necessarily the thing we get super excited about. It's sometimes it's the thing that really scares us, but it's where all the great stuff happens. God says, come on, and we say, man, that sounds scary, but the moment we step into that, the moment we're willing to trust him and obey, we just see God do incredible things. How is God inviting you into being part of his redemptive work in the world? He has made you an ambassador and given you his ministry of reconciliation. So let's do that. If you stand with me, if you can, I'm gonna pray for us and we're gonna close and with our worship. And God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this time. Jesus, I, I thank you that 
Not only do you love us so much that you gave your life for us, but God, you see something, you do something amazing in us, you see something in us, God. I, I, it's, it's crazy that, that in response to that, you would entrust to us your work. But God, you have given to us your ministry of reconciliation. And Lord, I pray that you would lead us in that, God, that we would be ambassadors of you. God, that we would take the good news of your gospel with our words and our works, God, in all the places you've called us, in all the places you've led us, in every sphere of influence you've given to us. God, that as we minister, as we share, as we spend time with God, as we work, as we all those things, Lord, that people would come to know you, Jesus. God, we know that you're the answer. God, you're the solution. God, we need you first. We need you most. And God, I pray that you would use us, every single person in this room, for your name and for your glory. God, I pray that you would awaken us to the people around us that you've called us to minister to. God, I pray that you would fill us with a boldness and a courage. God, I pray uh, just for a grace upon each and every person, each and every family here, uh, Lord, that we would step into with obedience and with joy and with, that, that we would step into all that you have for us. Lord, that, that, that our neighbors, our family, our coworkers, our classmates, our city, God, and the whole world would know you. God, do that kingdom work in us. And Father, do your kingdom work through us. God, we love you this morning. God, we bless you. God, you are good. You are faithful. You are true. You are God, and we worship you, Lord. Have your way in us. In Jesus' name, amen.